Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Capital Adulting Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Gardner, and I'm excited to be back with you here again for another episode and a slightly new topic. So I know the last couple of weeks we've been focused mainly on the investing space, right, of kind of you know what you know what affects the stock market what should you be investing in and how do you build kind of wealth over the course of a lifetime so if you haven't checked those out and those are topics that are of interest to you i definitely recommend that uh, but we are going to switch gears slightly here uh on today's episode a little bit more it still has you know a very very tangible financial impact on your life um, but this is more of a skill so it's something to kind of another arrow to have in your quiver when you know whether it's you're looking at potential investments or what we're focusing on primarily tonight is approaching um, kind of like a, a job interview in the in the negotiation process within that, right? So I'm going to talk through when you should negotiate, how you should approach it. Um, and some of these skills are going to be, you know, kind of universally applicable, right? Of just how to conceptually approach just a negotiation in any facet. But again, some are going to be a little bit more specific to a, a job seeker. So this was one of the kind of the best things um, that came out of um, when I was when I was a senior in college. We took a there was a like a senior seminar class, and one of the best classes was on negotiating. You know how to how to approach it, when you should do it, what were some tips and tricks for that, and I always thought that was incredibly beneficial. And it's been some knowledge that I've tried to share with my friends as they've gone through. You know, looking for their first job, second job. You know, maybe making a career. A career change entirely right there are certain things you know you can do right um to you know eventually hopefully you know succeed in negotiating um and you know achieve whatever kind of your end game is there and then i've also seen you know other folks who approach it in a different way and it can really come back to haunt them so i thought it would be helpful to sit down kind of talk through what are some of the do's and don'ts of negotiating, you know, how to approach it, when to do it, and how you can get, you know, really creative with it. So to start, I think there's a lot of misconceptions um, about kind of negotiating in general. Uh, and just, I think really that word kind of carries a bad connotation, right? Where it's like, um, you think that, you know, negotiating is trying to, you know, bulldoze the, you know, the opposing party, right? Of where, someone's got to win like it's it's always win lose somebody's going to win um then for sure uh someone will get the better half of it right but that's really not the case negotiating is about achieving a win-win outcome because if you really want to build relationships and be successful in that front a win lose is really a lose lose okay like sure maybe you won in the short term um like if you're negotiating and you kind of and you just steamroll somebody and force them to accept your terms they might, you know, they might grin and bear it in the short term, but in the long run, that's not going to play out well for you. That's going to end up with burned bridges, disenfranchised employees, upset employers, right? There's a whole, there's a whole list of bad things that will come from that. So goal negotiating is to achieve that, that win-win outcome. And the negotiation process in turn, kind of along with that is to ensure fairness for all parties, right? Because if you are, you know, you're looking for a job, you don't necessarily, you, know, you don't want somebody to, to force you into saying, hey, like, okay, you have to take, you know, this, this salary and this compensation package, like, you have no other option, no recourse, we're not even going to discuss it, you know, that's just, you're forced to take it, right? That's, that's not fair to you. And, and vice versa, like, if you were just as the employee, demanding, you know, the world and more of a potential employer, 
that's also not fair on the other side of the uh, the coin there. So negotiating kind of strikes that that balance, right? Find that happy medium where there's going to be a win-win for both parties. Um, so what are the benefits? Um, you know, if you're, say you're a buyer, typically that means you're going to, you know, probably work the price down or, um, you know, kind of work some other, some other uh, clauses into the agreement, but really you're going to, you're going to find that balanced purchase price. Or if you're an employee looking for a job, then, you know, hopefully that results in an improved compensation package for you, whether that's, you know, you know, salary or additional benefits. Um, there's a lot of things and we'll kind of dive into that a little bit later on here in the podcast, but it's from kind of a buyer employee perspective. But if you're a seller or an employer, what are the benefits there? I think a key one is just is understanding market conditions, right? So if you're a seller, you kind of get a good grasp of, you know, what are buyers expecting? What are they willing to pay? And that gives you a realistic picture of, you know, what your what your asset or whatever you're selling is worth at that point in time. Um, if you're an employer, it gives you the opportunity to make a choice, right? Where say you have three candidates, one's a rock star, another's good, and another one's average, right? Well, you could pay, say, say you know, the rock star is going to command 100000 a year, the good person's going to be at eighty-five, and the average person's going to be at seventy-five, right? That gives you the choice as the employer of, of balancing, you know, kind of the cost benefit, right? Of saying like, okay, yeah, the rock star person's, you know, 33% more expensive than the, than the average person, but they're going to be, you know, 50% more productive, right? Am I willing to pay that for that increased productivity? Do I think that's worth it? Um, and it gives that employer the flexibility there to kind of make that call. So again, negotiating is to achieve, you know, that win-win outcome for, for all parties involved. So keep that in mind if you're ever, you know, kind of in a situation in which you're negotiating or, or thinking you should, um, that's, you know, that's really kind of the, the end goal there. So what's the first thing to, to think about when it comes to negotiating? I already touched on kind of the, the mental aspects or at least part of them, but I think there's a few, uh, a few key things to touch on here, uh, namely a couple, couple misconceptions. Um, and keep in mind, from here on, I'm going to be focusing mainly on if you are, you know, seeking a job. So you are a candidate who has applied and has, you know, most likely gone through the interview process, right? And you're getting more towards the end of that, and potentially, you know, a formal offer has been made. So, with that in mind, I think the the number one misconception that people have. Uh, when it comes to negotiating kind of your compensation or just the, the details of your offer is that negotiating puts you in a puts you in a negative light right so that if you push back on the offer if you're not just you know over the moon ready to sign in the dotted line immediately when the you know the employer presents their first offer that that is going to reflect negatively on you and that really couldn't be you know further from the truth right I think if you ask a lot of hiring managers and recruiters they're almost universally going to say that they expect candidates to negotiate, right? Because that is that is part of the process. And as a hiring manager, you understand that you, in almost all cases, have a range, right? Of you might be approved to pay fifty to sixty thousand for a specific job. So, in that case, you know your first offer might be fifty, and you're hoping to hire. You know you're hoping that they agree to fifty-five, right? So they're going to expect some pushback. And um, I think that's a good way to communicate, you know, your kind of value to 
or just confidence in yourself overall, right? That you will provide values when you're willing to step up and say, Hey, look, you know, I know that this is, you know, I'm very thankful for this offer, but do we have some room? Like, is there, can we, you know, bump this up? Can we do this or that? Um, and so, like I said, they're, they're going to expect you to negotiate. So don't think that that is going to be, uh, you know, a bad reflection of you. It's, it's expected. And it's honestly, a lot of hiring managers would say they appreciate the effort. Um, you know, it's important to recognize too, that the, the interview process as a whole is a two way street, right? So yes, you know, the employer is trying to find a candidate who's going to be a good fit culturally, who's going to provide good value. But on the flip side, if you are the candidate, you're trying to find an environment that you're going to be successful and people you're going to enjoy being around work, you're going to like doing right. And so sometimes negotiating can kind of balance out, you know, get you to that equilibrium of where, you know, maybe, maybe something's not going to be absolutely perfect. And you kind of balance it out with a little bit more compensation, or maybe on the flip side, you trade off some other perks for a little less compensation to, you know, get to a position where you're comfortable taking the job, right? So it's a two way street. Don't ever think that the employer holds, you know, all the power um, in the interview and kind of negotiating process. Um, One thing that I always find interesting is when, you know, hiring managers, recruiters, whoever might be, you know, it's kind of running the show there is when they have like a, a very adverse reaction to um, to a candidate negotiating, right? Where they, you know, have like a mini blow up to go, hey, how could you dare? Like, how could you dare kind of push back on our offer here? Like this is, you know, just, just giving you flack essentially for, you know, trying to determine what's going to be that win-win, you know, um, solution for, for both of y'all. And I, to me that I take that as a red flag. Other folks, you know, you may, interpret that differently but i think if somebody you get you catch a lot of heat for even just opening the door with a reasonable negotiation um, or a reasonable counter offer that is definitely a red flag and and would make me um, you know reconsider whether that's kind of the route that i want to go the other big thing that i think people get tripped up on when it comes to just the overcoming mental hurdles is is that they're, they're worried about losing their offer if they push back, right? They're saying, well, you know, I'm just lucky enough to, to get an offer and like, I should just be grateful. You know, they're stepping on a limb by making me this offer. Like I should, I should just take it and not even think twice about it. Right. Well, I mean, let's take a step back and think about kind of where, where you're at, right? So if you're at the point that you're negotiating, most likely you have some sort of verbal or formal offer in place, right? So that means you've gone through probably multiple rounds of interview. You submitted your application. You went through multiple rounds of interviews. They've hosted those interviews and done internal discussions on their side. And they've determined that you're a person they want to move forward with, right? That's a lot of hurdles that you've already overcome to get to that position is that a, a company or an employer has decided they want you on your team, right? So at that point in time, how likely is it that that a negotiation is going to, to you know push them away? They're going to be like, oh, well... You know, we just invested 15 hours into this process. We really wanted you. But now that you push back and ask for, you know, 5% more, well, we're just going to nuke that and tell you to take a hike, right? That's that's not going to happen. You know, they're, again, I think people expect it. They respect it. Um, and it is generally part of the process. Um, I think when you do negotiate, though, it is key to continue demonstrating 
you know, your, the value that you're going to provide, give them tangible examples, reinforce that you're going to be a great team player and you're going to be a huge asset to their team and, and highlight your, just your business and industry knowledge, right? So you can say, Hey, like, I know this is, you know, an area where, you know, your firm might be a little bit weak on this front. I can help shore this up. Here's how I can go above and beyond to crush in this role, right? When you, when you give a, a counter proposal, uh, to kick off kind of the negotiation process, um, just continuing to layer in where you're going to add value is a way to you know professionally build your case and it's not an offensive it's not an offensive ask right as long as they're they're reasonable so i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna say that probably several times throughout the episode here but your counter proposal um and you know just the things that you ask for in general do need to be reasonable and by that i mean let's say you're looking at an entry-level job and they tell you hey you know, early on, you know, our pay range is uh, 50 to 55, right? That's what we're offering. And you're, and if they tell you that out of the gate, by, by you continuing in the process, then you acknowledge that, hey, you know, that is at least a pay range that I'm, I'm willing to consider. Doesn't mean you have to take it, but you're saying, okay, yeah, 50, 55 could potentially work. If you get all the way to the end of a process and the you know, employer, the hiring manager has been, you know, transparent with you about a salary, you know, a pay range, and you get to the end, and you're like, oh, yeah, when you said 50 to 55, I really didn't believe you. So, like, I, now that you want me on the team, I'm going to need 80. If, if you give them that, then, then, yeah, I expect to be told to take a hike because that is, that is a, a ridiculous ask, right? So, that's where I say keep things reasonable, right? So, if they said 50 to 55, maybe they offer you 52.5, and you say, hey, like, Here's X, Y, Z, how I'm going to, you know, really boost the, the productivity of this team. Here's where I can add a unique perspective and value. So would you consider, you know, 57.5 and say like, I understand your range, but I know I can, I can overachieve, overdeliver. And I, you know, I'm going to be worth everything, every cent that you pay me. Right. So that's not an offensive ask. I mean, it might, it might be a stretch, right? But that's part of negotiating is it's not, you don't have to win. So you know, it might not be 57.5, but they might say, hey, you know what? You're right. Okay, we can we can do 55 for you. Would you take it? And then at that point, yeah, you have a decision to make. So keeping the demands reasonable is key. Um, really one of the biggest things when it comes to the negotiation process is, is confidence. And it's confidence in yourself as a person and then as well as your ability to, to dominate the role. So that's where I think a lot of people you know, kind of the, where the wheels come off a bit is when they lose that they don't have and they lose that confidence in themselves where, you know, you're like, well, I really should just be happy that they gave me that offer. Like I, you know, I, I really, maybe I need a job and I, I'm just, you know, I'm just stoked to have an offer. So then like, I should just take it. Right. Um, or you're like, well, I'm not really sure this is what I want to do. Or like, what if I'm bad at it? Um, I'll tell you that's something that that I worried about taking my first job was like am I you know I was confident in myself but I was like well I've never been in a professional setting before will will I be successful right will will I overachieve like I know I have a good skill set but I've never never been tested like what if I what if I fail right but it's okay to have those doubts just don't display them in your when you're negotiating right you got to have full confidence. You got to have that poker face again, be able to give those bullet points of like, Hey, here's where I'm really going to really going to take this team to the next level. Here's why I'm worth what I'm asking. If you come in there with that, 
it's hard as a hiring manager to say, you know, to absolutely shut you down. They might, you know, review it and say, hey, like, you know, we're bound by HR policies. We can only do this or that. And that's, you know, that's part of it. And again, comes back to then you have a decision to make whether you want to accept it or not. That's the, the beauty of kind of the, the free market when it comes to uh, kind of labor decisions, right? But if you don't have confidence, you will not succeed. So whether or not you truly believe it, you got to have it in the moment. You know, keep that poker face, stay dialed in, um, and just present a strong uh, convicted case to your to the hiring manager and just see where things go from there. So that's the mental side. So once you beat those those hurdles, right, those those pitfalls, how does the process really play out? And the first thing I want to say is every single interaction you have with an employer, with a hiring manager, with a company will be a reflection on you and it either builds or destroys your case once you get to the end of the process, right? Of like, how much leverage do you have? How badly do they want to hire you, right? If you have have great, great interactions, you're always, you're always dominating the interviews. You're coming across as a superstar candidate. You're just, you're absolutely, you know, adding to your file of, of why they should, you know, take a closer look at what you want for a compensation package. But if you're sloppy, you know, it, it works in the opposite direction. They might not make you an offer. And if they do make you an offer, they might view, view you as the cost effective, you know, oh, we didn't want to pay the superstar. We really only have the budget for the average person. So, you know, you're our, you're our backup plan. So we really don't have any room to, to go anywhere for you. And that also plays into career go- growth down the road, but we can get into that at a different point in time. So how do you wow a hiring manager out of the gate and it starts by doing your research right you know the business you know the industry you know their products it's amazing to me the the interviews i've been involved with where folks don't even know what they're interviewing for right where you can ask them kind of critical questions and or like about specific products you know and they're just they're a little bit hesitant you can tell that they don't really know what you know they haven't done kind of their full background there versus you know the people that have like there's times where i've had folks contact me about you know openings at the company i'm at and you know sometimes they you know they're just like oh yeah i just want some general insights and they just kind of like want me to drive the conversation i'm like well hey the only reason we're talking is because you wanted to connect and you had you were curious about the job right so that to me it's always unfortunate because it doesn't really doesn't really benefit me to tell somebody else about my job. But if I get on the phone with somebody and they're like, "Hey, I've got these eight questions. Can we just run through them? I want to hear like tell me about the culture. Like, what is the what is this like? What is that like?" That is always a good sign for me because you're prepared, you know what you're talking about, and that means you're going to you know, impress in the interview process. Um, and along with this, it's you you want to know, you know, out of the gate, kind of what the what like the the role in industry compensation looks like, right? So think back to you know you need to understand how much you need to make to survive. So if you say, hey, I gotta have, you know, I need to make sixty a year to to stay afloat, right? Well, then you're not going to look at jobs that are going to pay thirty five, forty, forty five, fifty, right? They're not even not even close. You might say, hey, well. You know, I might be able to scrape by on 55. So 
maybe I'm willing to explore that route and hope to negotiate up. But you want to know roughly kind of where salaries lie before you get started. And a lot of reputable companies too, when they do a screening interview, will be pretty candid. And they'll say, hey, you know, we're going to pay, this job pays 20 an hour. Is that something, you know, maybe our range is like 20, 24 an hour. Is that something that would work for you? And if you say, well, I really need 28 an hour. And they say, well, you know, that's unfortunately that's something we can do. Well, then you part ways before you get too far along and, uh, you know, you save, you save everyone time. Uh, so do your research and have a plan, right? Know, like I said, know what you need, know how much money you need to make, what kind of benefits package you'd like, what kind of job you want to do. Like you need to know what you want before you can negotiate, right? Because if you're up there just just talking and saying like, oh, I'm just going to just gonna ask for more. Regardless of what I get, I'm just going to ask for more. Like, okay, let's, you're probably setting yourself up for failure there. So once you've done your research and have a plan, the next step is to dominate the interview process. And like I said, every interaction is important, right? So from the from submitting your application, making sure your resume is one page, it doesn't have typos in it, they ask for a cover letter, you've got it addressed to the specific hiring manager. Things like that are an easy way to wow somebody out of the gate. And on the flip side, you can disqualify yourself really quickly. Like say you say you apply for a position um, and you, you know, say you, you're using a template cover letter and you forget to change the, the company name. So say you applied to company A and now you're submitting an application to company B and you leave company's a, company A's name on there. See ya. That application is getting thrown away right away, deservedly so, right? If you, if you don't have the attention to detail to dial in, you know, be prepared, you know, dial in your, your application, be prepared for an interview, well, then you really don't have a business in seeking a job. At least it's kind of my take on it there. Um, and I just think in dominating the interview process, being a professional, but also fostering personal relationships is key. You're making those connections, right? You don't want, you don't want the hiring manager to view you, you know, as candidate number six, right? Um, just like you don't want them, you don't want them to just be, a, you know, a blank face, you know, representation of a company, right? You want to be able to connect with them personally and, you know, build that, that connection because that is what will give you the leg up over other people's when you can demonstrate, Hey, you know, I got an hour and a half with this person, but guess what? I found out, like found out that they really like, they like hiking. And so I was able to say, Oh yeah, well, yeah, if you hike this trail, give them a recommendation of like, Oh, go check this out. Right. It's little things like that, that can just, you know, consciously and subconsciously position you better and again you're building your file to negotiate at the end so as you're progressing along and now you're in the in, in you know in a spot where maybe an offer is getting put together or you know at least verbally you're discussing compensation the key is to let the recruiter whoever's hiring potentially hiring you take the lead right you want them to name the first number and again i think a lot of reputable places will do that instinctively because they don't want to waste their time and you know they don't want to waste your time either right so they want to make sure that you're at least willing to consider the compensation they're offering so most likely they're you know they're going to lead but in the event that they don't you want to be kind of tactful right so they say oh yeah like you know what kind of salary range are you looking at maybe you you know respond with you know I'm looking for something that's you know competitive um, within within the industry. I'm confident that I'm going to overachieve in the role, and so I feel like that yeah that I'll you know produce results above industry average, and that's about in line with you know where I expect my compensation to be. Something kind of vague like that. Again, commu always communicating value, 
um, but still you're deferring, right? You're deflecting in ways where you want them to, to go first because one of the best quotes from that senior seminar class um, was, you know, whoever goes first is either setting the floor or setting the ceiling. So let's imagine, for instance, I mentioned that 50 to 60K range before, right? Um, so let's say, you know, you get to the, to the interview process and you're getting further along and they say, oh, well, what, what's your compensation expectations? And you're like, well, you know, I'm really hoping for, for 45 to 50, right? Well, you just instantly capped yourself at 50 because you told them like, you're not looking for more than that and you're even okay taking less than that and you don't even know what their range is at that point in time, right? So they know, oh, hey, this, this candidate's looking for 45 to 50. They'll be stoked if we give them 47.5 or 50, which is great because we we budgeted 60 and now we're going to get a good candidate for, you know, the bottom end of our range. So you're going to cap yourself if you go first. If you let them make the first offer, if they say, hey, you know, in that instance, you deflect and say, well, you know, what kind of salary range are you offering? And they're like, well, you know, we are, you know, we're looking for the most part to start people at 50. And you're like, okay, well then, you know, maybe that's when you put in a counter proposal and say, what about, you know, 57.5? something like that, right? So you don't want to go first because you don't want to name your ceiling. You want them to name the floor. Um, and again, it gets tricky because there will be some people that, you know, that get a little bit aggressive about it. So, you know, you can, you can defer, come up with, you know, a couple good reasons to defer. You know, I, I gave one just off the cuff there, but, you know, um, just continue to kind of point back towards, towards your value and, saying, you know, you're just expecting compensation in line with that. And then, you know, try to try to push back a little bit and kind of, and, and have them go first on, on that front. So once you're kind of getting, you know, getting through the, those, those like awkward kind of growing pains there and you're getting, you know, they actually put out there, they're like, all right, here is you know, your, here's the offer. They make a formal offer. Biggest thing is to not react, whether it's, you know, virtual or in person. And this is really tough because for me, if you know me, I have zero poker face, right? But this is a, this is a moment in which it's critical to be a statue, right? You, and I mean, that, that even comes with kind of with the subtle cues, right? Do you look away? Do you look down? Does your, does your mouth change? Do you shift in your chair? Does your, you know, your shoulders slump? Do you perk up? A lot of things like that are you know, giveaway tells about how you're reacting, even if you're not verbally saying it. So you don't want to react because you don't want to tip excitement or disappointment, right? Because if there's if, if they come way over the top and they blow your expectations out of the water, don't tell them that because there's still room to negotiate up, right? Or if the you know the offer comes in low, don't show that you're that you're crushed right if you're if you appear crestfallen well then they're going to question like is this person really committed to us is this going to be a good fit um you know at the end of the day too there's you can always negotiate so just because the first offer is not perfect doesn't mean you can't get it into you can't get it there or at least improve it so don't react but Probably the toughest thing about the negotiation process, and this is something that I really wish I could teach, but it's just, it's really impossible to do so uh, because every situation is so different, but 
it is so critical to read the room and understand your leverage. And by that, I mean, you need to gauge the, the hiring manager, what's their, and this is all within a couple seconds, right? They're making the first offer and you need to read, read their body language, their words, how they presented the offer. Is there, can you, can you pick up a tell that, Hey, this is, this is them lowballing me, or, you know, this is going above and beyond. And they are, you know, they are getting special permission to give me this kind of offer. Right. So, you know, you want to watch for things like that and also know your leverage. And by that, I mean, you know, do you have, you know, do you have backup options, right? Like, do you have a plethora of job opportunities and you're really just trying to find what's going to be the best fit? Or are you desperate for a job? You know, as a lot of people have been through COVID submitting hundreds of applications, you're finally at the point where someone's giving you an offer and you're just stoked and you're ready to jump at it, right? If you have, if you have the ability you know, if you know you can walk away if you don't, you know, get to the right the right price or whatever it might be, then that's one thing. You know, you have a lot more leverage. If you just need a job, then you don't have quite the same, right? You you can't afford to be ridiculous or put them in a position to go with another candidate. Um, so keep that in mind. What's your leverage? Where are you at in your career too? Like when you're first starting out, it's probably gonna be a little bit tougher to negotiate as you get in the workforce and overachieve and do things like that, then you're going to be in a better position to negotiate down the road. So just look for, you know, like I mentioned, the subtle cues that you can give away by reacting, do the same, you know, scrutinize the hiring manager, right? Are they, do they kind of give you, is it like an open-ended, they kind of trail off when they give you the offer? Like, are they giving you an opening to, to, to make a counter offer, right? If they've given you a range previously, where does that follow there? Like they told you it's 50 to 60 and they presented you with 50. Okay. Well now, you know, you're going to negotiate up. Meanwhile, if they've given you 60, are you, you know, are you going to push the envelope over the top? So keep that in mind, understand where they're at in your range um, and their range versus your range and kind of where you want to be. And like I said, at the beginning confidence is going to be key. So you need to be prepared to move past the the excitement of getting that initial offer right you don't want to react you don't want to be you don't want to not necessarily zone out but you don't want to to get off track mentally just by the fact that you have an offer you want to you want to stay dialed in because this is where you know the rubber meets the road here you know you have to be able to negotiate with confidence um and one thing that is important to keep in mind too is kind of the size of the company that you're working with Right. If you're working with a mammoth kind of international conglomerate, well, they're going to have a huge HR department with set policies and pay ranges and compensation structures and review processes and things like that, where things are going to be very much structured. Whereas if you're working with like a four man team, right, there might be a lot more flexibility, right? There might not be the same potential upside or abundance of perks, but you may be able to ne negotiate creatively. And I'll touch on that in a little, in a, in a couple minutes here, but um, of course, like I said at the beginning, you want to keep your demands reasonable. It's not really a demand per se. It's an ask, right? I'm saying like, oh, can you do 7% more, 10% more? You never want to be like, oh, well, I'm going to need 40% more to get this done because you're, you're not even close, right? So keep things reasonable. And as I've reiterated numerous times, uh, continue highlighting your value to the company. Show them like, hey, like, I know I can, I can overachieve and here's how I'm going to do it, right? 
that's always you always want to tie added value to any counter proposal you might have and then of course being patient here is key right they might not have an immediate answer so if somebody's you know say you're working with a hiring manager they're not part of hr they're a department head right they might say okay yeah well that's you know that's an interesting proposal um you know it's something where you know we'll need to go back and discuss it internally then then that's fine you know that that is okay um on the flip side though you know you don't want to have an expectation that they're going to respond right away but if you say hey you know can we do eight percent more in another week of pto and they say, well, you know, we can't do extra PTO, but we could do we could do five percent more, right? Are you prepared? You know, game plan in your head for those for those counters, a counter to your counter, right? Because the last thing you want to do is get essentially caught with your pants down of where you, you know you had this well orchestrated and well you know um, well I'm blanking on the word, but if you communicate effectively your counter and they promptly give you a very valid you know counter back to you then you don't want to sit there and be like, uh, um, okay, you know, you don't want to hit the panic button. So it's okay to ask for some time to consider it, but also want to be cognizant of, you know, they have a role and they need to fill it. So you don't want to be like, hey, I'm going to need two weeks to sort it out, right? Try to buy yourself some time, maybe potentially get yourself a few days and, you know, it's got to be, got to be reasonable again. But if you say, hey, like, I just need to take a little bit of time to, you know, maybe just think about it. Maybe you need to talk to my family, spouse, whoever it might be, right? That's a totally reasonable thing. Accepting a new job is a big, is a big decision. And if, if someone were to force you on that spot, then again, I think that's a little bit of a red flag. Um, and another thing to keep in mind is don't counter a million times. So realistically, the process should go, you know, hiring manager, makes a makes a formal offer you counter they counter and you probably either accept or make like a you know a slight counter proposal at that point right but really there's only going to be probably two rounds of back and forth if you start pushing it you know three four five times then it's going to not only get your relationship start off on, a, on the wrong foot but an employer is going to think well this person's just trying to nickel and dime me like crazy this is do I really want to go with them? So you could you could lose an offer if you negotiate poorly or disrespectfully. But again, if you follow kind of what the outline I've laid out here of you know speaking with confidence, showing showing your value, and making reasonable asks, then then you're going to find that that equilibrium, that balance point for where it's a win for both you and the employer. And then. One last thing to touch on here, just specifically related to, you know, what to what to ask for is, and get creative. And again, I, I alluded to this a moment ago, but size of the company is going to be important here because if it's a big company, they're going to have set things, right? But smaller firms might have way more flexibility in the types of things that they can offer. And so, by that I mean negotiate for more than just cash. So you could. You could, you know, ask for another week or two of PTO, you know, paid time off. Maybe, you know, kind of pre-COVID, but maybe it's a little bit different now. Maybe you want to work from home two or three days a week, right? Um, or just kind of have flexible working hours in general. Of like, hey, you know, maybe maybe got to drop my kids off. So, you know, if uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I could start at nine and work to six or something like that, right? Of finding 
of, hey, could I build a little bit more flexibility in my schedule to make my life easier? Um, maybe you could get stock options or just more equity, right? There's more than you that you can contend for than just cash. So, so keep that in mind. And one of the best tricks, I think, too, is to ask for an expedited review process. So if you work for a, a very, you know, a large company, right, where they're going to say, hey, you're going to get X number of days of PTO. Here's our retirement plan. Here's this and that. And they're just really standard across the board. One thing you can do is say, hey, you know, I know you have, Maybe you have an annual review process, right? And I know you can't you can't bump up my com- compensation today or kind of in the way that I want, but I'm so confident that I, I'm going to overachieve. What do you think about like a 90-day review or a 180-day review? 180 days is probably more reasonable, so six months in the job. But say rather than, rather than revisiting my compensation a year from now, why don't we, you know, uh, put me to the test. Let me get in the job. Let me show you I'm going to crush it. And then six months from now, like let's let's revisit it, see if it's if you know I'm worth that extra two, four, six percent, whatever it was, um, and then you can you know kind of maybe you in the interim you know bite kind of a minor bullet, but you set yourself up to you know really capitalize on some upside sooner rather than later. So remember, compensation your counter proposal does not have to be cash only. Get creative with it. Um, and again, if you got if you work for a smaller company or interviewing with one, you probably can can aim for, you know, probably get a little bit more creative. So that is what to do. Now, what's a quick hit list here of things not to do? And one is negotiating in bad faith. And this is the this is terrible when and by in bad faith I mean let's say you're interviewing at two places and one you really you know, one place you love, you really want to work there. And the other, you really couldn't care less. And so you kind of string them along. They're your backup plan. You know, you go all the way through the process and they, you know, maybe they make you an offer and say you engage in kind of a, a back and forth, right? Um, all, all while, you know, you're continuing the interview at the other place, they give you an offer and you know you're going to take it no matter what, but you negotiate with this other one just so you can, you know, push up that offer and leverage it, you know, into the, you know, into the job you really want where you say, Hey, company B over here is offering me 80 K. You guys are only offering 72 five. You know, if you make up some of the ground there, like then maybe it will make it happen. Right. That is, that is, I just think incredibly disrespectful to, to everybody. And it will tarnish your relationships because one, you're going to burn a bridge at the, at the company you're leveraging. And two, you're about to, you're kind of bulldozing the environment you're looking to join. All right. So you're, Managing to piss off two hiring managers um, and two companies before you've even started. So don't negotiate in bad faith. Don't waste somebody's time to then just completely back out. I mean, I heard one story of somebody who actually, you know, they wanted to work for one company in one city, but they took a job with a different company in a different city, and they literally just did not show up for the first day of work because they decided, ah, yeah, I don't, you know, I really don't want the job. Well, that is, I mean, that is probably the worst example possible of actually taking a job and then just simply not showing up. Um, so if you ever do that, then you, j- you should just leave the workforce. Um, second is making just uneducated or unreasonable counteroffers. So if you're, you know, if you're saying, oh, yeah, you know, I need 30% more to take this job, or maybe you're throwing out um, like, oh, can you give me like, 
this particular benefit and the company's like hey we don't even we don't even offer that that's not even something that's come up you know like where did you get that from again it goes back to you want every interaction to be professional you want to display you have deep knowledge of the business industry it operates in and kind of so on and so forth there so if you if you step in and and make a proposal that is ludicrous or isn't even applicable then it's not you know it's not going to go well for you um it reminds me of when i was going through kind of the baseball college baseball recruiting process and i had a school out on the east coast that was really interested had had you know developed a solid relationship with with the coach there um and we were talking and one of my emails i was like yeah you know one of my biggest things is, you know, I really want to go to a school that has a strong business program. Well, I never heard from them again. And I thought that was kind of odd. Whereas like, huh, like we had a pretty good back and forth. I thought they were pretty interested. And then lo and behold, I go on their website and it turns out they don't have a business program. <laughs> not even a, not even a business degree, let alone like a business, you know, a school of business within the college. And so that was me being uneducated and cost myself an opportunity, which in the end for that specific example, it wouldn't have been a conducive fit for me anyways, given that. But how bad does that make me look? The fact that I threw that out there of like, yeah, I really want a good business program. And they're like, well, cool, man. We don't offer, we don't have one. So uh, good luck. See ya. <laughs> um, and that kind of leads into the next one about burning bridges being unprofessional these all tie in together, you know, negotiating bad faith is, is the same, but you never ever want to burn bridges. Even if you really don't like somebody, you don't like a company, it's never worth it to formally close a door because you never know what if a specific hiring manager moves on to a company you really want to be someday and you apply and they go, hey, you know, I had I had a really positive interaction with the, this person before. Like, I remember that they were memorable, they were personable. Um, and they're interviewing, applying here. So, you know, I love to, love to talk to them or they say, oh, wow, this is the guy that I hired that didn't show up day one. Well, <laughs> see how, see how quickly that resume gets thrown in the trash, you know? So always be professional, uh, and, and don't burn those bridges. Um, and really the last mistake here is, is not negotiating when you should. And, you know, this ties back into reading the room and knowing your leverage, right? If you're desperate for a job and you got to take anything that comes your way, well, then yeah, then maybe it's not worth pushing the envelope and, and negotiating. But at the same time, if you have some leverage or you know you have the ability to, to potentially walk away, well, then, you know, just ask. Like, what's the worst thing they can do? As long as you're not offensive about the way you ask or what you've asked for, they're not going to they're not going to throw you away. They, they might say no. And you're kind of back to square one, but at that point now that now you have decisions in your hands, you get to choose whether or not you want to accept that. Um, but if you don't negotiate when you can, well, then you're probably leaving probably leaving money on the table, potentially stock options, um, other benefits package, or you know other portions of the benefits package, um, and that is you know that can have a, a real effect on you um, in the future because if you think about it. If you say, if you start and say, you know, at 50,000 a year versus 60, maybe at the end of year one, you get a 10% raise, right? So you're either at 55 or 66 and it kind of builds from there, right? So the higher you start, the more it's going to help you 
moving forward, right? You're going to, you're going to climb that pay scale faster. So don't put yourself at a disadvantage by, you know, lacking confidence and not negotiating out of the gate. Be comfortable, you know, if you can push the envelope a bit and see where you end up. So when it's all said and done, you know, you, they've made an offer, you've countered, they countered, you potentially countered again, you know, it comes down to a decision, right? And nobody is, nobody can make the decision for you. Um, I have another kind of guide on that, that all, and this episode's running long. So I'm not going to get into in this one. I'll save it for, for another episode, but the decision is yours. At this point in time, you have to decide, is this a, the right fit for me? Is this the right compensation? Should I, should I take it? Right. And you also, you want to consider, you know, when looking at jobs, you want to consider more than just compensation, right? Will you be able to thrive in the role? Are you going to enjoy it? Is this a good building block for your career? Is this at least going to help you? You know, maybe if you don't know what you want to do, um, is this at least going to give you good experience, um, you know, and some transferable skills? So if you figure out, hey, I like this, this, and this of this particular role, but I hate this portion, right? Well, hey, now you know that and you can take it to your next job. Um, and also consider what your next move is going to be. Again, you don't have to have it exactly laid out of how you're going to climb the ladder, where you want to go, this and that. But at least, again, kind of generally think through, is this going to help, you know, get me where I want to go? Uh, and then, you know, if you end up, if you're negotiating and they say, they come back to you and say, hey, you know, we just, we need to stick to our first offer. We can't do it. Or you just get, you know, shut down on that front. Don't take it personally. You know, a lot of times you know, hiring managers are going to be bound by, you know, the, the resources the company has, as well as internal policies. So if it really is something that they can't accommodate, it's not it's not a reflection on you, right? If you ask with confidence, you're professional about it, you give, you know, you have a reasonable counter and they just say no, well, that's that it really is not an affront on you, right? It's more indicative of, you know, the, really kind of the company's situation, their policies and their evaluation. So again, maybe you ask for, uh, you know, a shorter review period, um, but don't don't let that dissuade you from from taking the job if it's going to be a good fit for you. And lastly, on the flip side, if it's a bad fit, don't be afraid to walk away. And again, if you're in a desperate position, that might not be an option. At which case, you know, you just want to get yourself get yourself to a good spot where you can then you know hopefully pursue something where you do have a little bit more leverage and, and the ability to to walk away if need be. But as with any negotiation, if you are if you are basically tunneled on one outcome, meaning you will take the job, well then, you know, it's not, it's really not a true negotiation because at the end of the day, you're going to have to accept, you know, whatever's handed down to you. Whereas if you say, hey, you know, I, if, if, if you can't get me the X amount or you can't do this and that, then, you know, I think it's just something that's unfortunately not going to work for me. You know, you, you want to be comfortable doing that. And who knows if potentially, you know, that, that might work to your benefit. I would not recommend using that as a tactic to, you know, drive up your, your salary, right? Don't threaten to walk away uh, just hoping they'll, they'll boost their offer because you got to keep in mind, like, with, with you know, accepting a job, you're going to be working with these people. So you, you want to really beat them over the head uh, during an interview and negotiation process to then spend 40 plus hours a week around them that doesn't bode well for 
your career prospects, you know, the ability to build relationships with your coworkers or anything along that front. So just be cognizant of that. Um, and then hopefully, you know, if, if need be, if it's really not going to be a good fit, they can't get where you, where you need to be, then you can, you can walk away. But that is my run through of kind of what you should be doing um, when going through an interview process, how to approach the negotiation side, of, negotiating side of things and some key pitfalls to avoid. So I know I generally try to keep these around 30 to 35 minutes. It looks like I'm approaching 48. So just slightly over. But, you know, I think this is a very valid topic. Um, a lot of people have questions about this and a lot of people, you know, they choose, they opt not to negotiate and that, you know, comes back to haunt them. So don't be that person. Know who you're talking to, know your value, have confidence, you know, counter propose with, with pride and just professionally engage in the conversation to see where things take you. But as always, I appreciate y'all making the time. If you've listened this far, thank you for being a dedicated listener. Uh, if you have any topics, any specific ideas you'd like me to cover here on the podcast, feel free to give me a shout. You can find me on Instagram at, at capital C-A-P-I-T-A-L, adulting, um, or you can shoot me an email. It's grant at capitaladulting.com. Um, if you haven't already, please subscribe, follow the podcast, leave a review if you have a moment. Um, turn on notifications for when I post a new episode. Aim for every Tuesday. Sometimes there's a little bit of variance there, but you know what? Sometimes life gets in the way. Um, anyways, like I said, y'all, always appreciate the time. You have any feedback, any topics you want to hear about, uh, give me a shout. Otherwise, I'll look forward to talking to y'all again in the near future here. Take care.